What's up, good people? Thank you for taking the time and listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. Please, go visit the M-W Tactical store at www.m-wtactical.com forward slash store and help support our efforts by purchasing a shirt or two. If you haven't done so, go follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for M-W Tactical. All right, good people. We're back at it, and we're at another quarantine episode, and I'm back in the studios again with the mad scientist, my man, Dave. What's going on, Dave? How's it going for you? Hey, Mike. It's going all right. How are you? I don't know, man. I'm a little dehydrated right now, <laughs> so I'm trying to pound some water and scared to cough because I don't want nobody to run from me or try to... Oh. You got the Rona. Something like that. No, I ain't the Rona. It's just dry throat because <laughs> I haven't been drinking um, water. I've been busy doing like all these, um, I call it the honey to-do list around oh, yeah. the house. So doing right. a ton of painting, cleaning, and organizing. So like the last thing I actually done after I painted my kitchen, and that's the last room I'm going to paint in my house for a while. Uh, you know, so as I was telling you earlier, my daughter's room still needs to be painted, but when I was talking with her last week, she stated that she didn't want me to paint her room until she's here. She yeah. wants to help, so she I'm needs like, to help. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, I, I I agree with that. You know, whereas if you're going to enjoy it, put a little bit of elbow grease into it. So I'm all for that. And the last task that I did was cleaned out the garage. Oh, I need you know, to do that. Yeah, so I did that yesterday and or day before. All my days run together <laughs> anyway. So it was either yesterday or the day before yesterday. And when I did it, it was kind of warm outside, but I didn't drink any water like I should have. But I was sipping on it, but I just wasn't drinking it like I should have. Yeah. So, Sometimes it. Yeah. If you forget about it, man, it'll catch up with you. Yeah, especially like when you're not doing anything. So now if I was out running about like I, my normal activities are, I'll be pounding water all day. But now that I'm sitting at home more and doing little stuff, I'm not putting that water in me like I know I should be. I Yeah, I've had I've been trying to uh, get used to a different schedule. I mean, we we all have our routines normally that have been interrupted and I don't know. Everything's different. So I've been trying to figure that out too. Yeah, everything is different. And I keep saying once we get back to regular, this right here is the embarkment of our new norm. You know, and some people criticize me for saying that, but it is what it really is because our society is more reactive instead of proactive in a lot of sense. Yeah. And that's true. I, I do hope that some of the stuff I've been seeing kind of sticks around, um, you know, the good stuff that, you know, families are spending more time together, it looks like. And, um, you know, it seems like there's some generosity that I don't know, just locally that I've seen with restaurants being shut down and stuff like that. Um, people are trying to help out more. Hope some of that kind of stuff sticks around. Yeah, it will. Um because a lot of people are looking at it from the we mentality versus the me mentality. 
And the me mentality is the selfish person that's mine, mine, mine. Mm-hmm. And nobody really wants to be around that person. But if as long as you're projecting that we personality and pretty much the shooting community does that as a whole already. And that's why it's so welcoming and enjoying. Yeah, it is great. This really is best group of people that I've ever met. Um, our shooting community is pretty fantastic. Yeah, and I, I do agree now. I can only speak about it from this region of the country, you know, the South Carolina area where I normally shoot at and a couple places where I visit it. I can only attest to those places, but I never really shot competition-wise like Midwest and Far West. But when I was stationed in Louisiana, I did do a couple matches in Louisiana. So, and it's like I said, the um, only thing change is the rhythmic culture of the area. Yeah. But, you know, but the pace is still the same. I've shot, you know, shot some around the country, different places. And, and our shooting community is still our shooting community, man. I think it'll be the same no matter where you go in the world. It seems that way. Um, I haven't been in any, any matches outside of the U.S., but, you know, t- <clears throat> talking with people that have everybody – I don't know what makes us different really, but <laughs> we're just, uh, I don't know. We're like-minded and, and want to help each other out any way we can. I think that's what a lot of it is. Whereas everybody is like-minded and at the same time, everybody is like-minded around the firearms. That's where the like-mindedness comes in at. Everybody wants to see the next person excel and, even if people are a little shady in that respect, it's the competition of, oh, I can't allow you to surpass me or I'm coming after you. And I think that healthy competition is what makes it welcoming. Yeah. And you, you, there's the competition is fun, but you can't really like, I don't know. I mean, like a, like a, a fun trash talking kind of thing, you know, can, can be there but you can't really have a uh i don't know how to put it like a i don't know a, a demeanor that you're you're better than everyone and talking down to people because when it's your time to shoot everyone's gonna know <laughs> yeah everyone's gonna know you know how you're shooting and i, 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 compare, I don't know i compare shooting to jiu-jitsu and Let's just happen to say you and I both are blue belts and uh, you might get me today. Then tomorrow I might get you. Shooting is just like that. Whereas some days you feel it, some days you don't. But if you're equally matched with somebody, sometimes you're going to get them. Sometimes you won't. Yeah. There's been a couple of times when I came out to a match and I shot well, I outshot somebody who was far better than me, you know? And of course it was malfunction of their firearm. So it wasn't like they had a bad day. It was just the the firearm wasn't, you know, operating yeah. as it should. That so, sucks. Yeah. So I got the advantage and, you know, passed them in scores. And there's a, other times where um, people who were ranked higher than me and, understood the game better than me 
Whereas when we went head up, I literally took that competition, you know, one or two times. Yeah. You know, and, and like I said, it, it just happens sometimes. Yeah. It sucks too. It, well, see, I don't know. That's another part of our community. I don't like the idea of winning because of someone else having a malfunction. <laughs> but, well, that's how I am. You know, <laughs> that's how I am. But now, if that's, it was like fifty thousand dollars on the line, oh, oh no, no. Uh-uh. Well, it, you know, and it, it's, I mean, you it's you know, still part saying. of it's part of the game, though. I mean, you have yeah. to maintain your equipment. Exactly. <clears throat> so, but my thing is, and like even when. Like when I do jujitsu, if somebody says like their leg or back hurting, I would choose not to roll with that person because of I want you to give me your all because I'm going to give you my all and let's see whose technique is better. You know, it's, it's like a chess game. Yeah. You know, I want you to give your best. I give my best. And shooting is like that. Yeah. You know? It's fun. I, yeah, I it's Very fun. Very fun. I haven't I enjoy it every time I can get out and do it. So let me ask you this in regards to shooting, well, not necessarily shooting, but presentation of your firearm outside of shooting. Okay. All right. So right now, there is a lot of people speculating that if the pandemic carries on as it's carrying on right now, that we're going to have civil unrest, whereas people are just basically trying to survive. Yeah. If that does happen, and considering right now, South Carolina is not an open carry state. Right. But let's just happen to say they changed the rules and laws, you know, for the safety of everybody else. Or, you know, if they happen to say, okay, you can open carry if you choose to. Would you agree mm -hmm. with open carry or concealed carry even in a time like this if it got to a point of civil unrest? So I've, I've thought about this a, a lot and not just because of the current pandemic, but before Georgia right next to me um, where I am in South Carolina does have an open carry uh, law and, and people open carry there and I think it's just cool to see what kind of guns people are carrying more or less, but I don't in, in normal scenario, I probably personally would not open carry. Um, but I'm also initially, I was thinking about it from our, our norm. Um, and if things, I don't know, you know, do get to the, the position of, of civil unrest. I'm, I don't know. I haven't decided. I haven't decided that I would open carry yet. Um, there are some implications that I or, or scenarios that I kind of toss around in my head where I would not like it. My firearm to be visible. It can potentially make you a target. Maybe make you the first target if if some somebody's looking to do something. Um, you would definitely want to take out the guy that you know has a gun. Um, and if it's hanging there on your hip visible, you know, they're going to know it's there and you, you could potentially be the first target. Um, a lot of the, the, you know, those scenarios, you don't have a chance to, um, to act first. You're always reacting. You don't get to choose, uh, 
your self-defense scenario. You just have to react to, to what's happening and having a gun concealed, uh, you know, can give you a little bit more of a time to, to figure out how to manage that. Um, but if you look at it from a civil unrest kind of scenario, if ev everyone has a gun carry, you know, everyone has one on their hip, maybe it's not such a bad thing. I don't know. It's, um, it used to be the norm, you know, a few hundred years ago, everybody carried a gun on their hip and that was just a normal thing. Nobody thought, it, you know, anything about it. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of different viewpoints. There is, and just like anything else, there's a plus and negative to everything. And I think the negative is if everybody, well, not everybody, but if some people open carry, like you said, they're a target. So let's just happen to say somebody's at a grocery store or someplace where goods are needed and pandemonium happens. Who's to say three or four people won't attack that one person with a firearm, disarm them, and then do whatever else they're going to do. Yeah. You know, worst, worst case scenario. Yeah. All right. Um, the plus side of it is that person who's coming in with the open carry gun, if somebody was attempting to do something of malicious intent to that area, let's just happen to say, um, restaurant, Subway, McDonald's, something like that. Yeah. Now that person walks in with that <laughs> firearm. Those people who were going to do the the heinous act now going to reconsider because they don't know what this guy is capable of because he has the firearm. Yeah, possibly it could be a deterrent too. Yeah. yeah. And only reason I say that because when I was stationed down in Georgia, as you already expressed earlier, that open carry is allowed in Georgia. And I dabbled with it a few times just to see if I like it, see how people are going to react. And certain places I went, I felt like people was more fearful of me having a firearm. Now, that could have played into many different type of roles, you know, stereotyping or this guy has a gun. When I see people open carry, the first thing comes to my mind is how trained is that person with that firearm? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I said the plus and negatives to it overall. I've been interested in, I've never actually uh, open carried in public um, it, to, to try that out. I've been interested to see what people's responses might be. I notice people in, in Georgia open carrying and, and I don't have a problem with it at all. I'm such a gun guy. I just want to see what they have, um, see what they're carrying. But one of the other things you were, you were talking about the, scenario of a grocery store and you're standing in line at a grocery store one of the things that i think about if you don't have the proper holster that doesn't have enough retention you're standing there in a grocery store line with someone right behind you all they have to do is reach up and grab your gun right out of the holster mm -hmm. and now you have lost your means of defense and, and has been turned on you um yeah, you lost the element of surprise yeah you you man i don't know there's some holster considerations I think a lot of people probably wouldn't make, um, you know, just because of inexperience or lack of training. I don't know, man. It's um, I personally 
could you know I carry a gun every day everywhere I go. I carry it concealed inside the waistband. I carry an extra magazine. Um, I don't know. I'd like to have at least a little bit of if it buys me half a second of time to to get my gun presented before they know it's there. Then I, I kind of like that idea of it. And that that was another conversation I had with a friend of mine when I had this discussion with him. And his whole thing was if civil unrest does take place, he's will opt to do open carry. And I said, the only thing I would open carry would be a rifle. I, yeah. I, that would be, yeah. If that happens, I'd probably go to a rifle too. Right. So that's, that's the only thing I would open carry as far <laughs> as my handgun. No. Now, if I got on like my, my battle rig, like, I'm going to Iraq or Afghanistan, by all means, I would want stuff presented in a manner whereas I can manipulate it and it won't affect my posture or movement in any way. Sure. Yeah. If you're full of gear. Um, yeah, that's different, but ho hopefully you don't get quite that far. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping to. So <laughs> right now, there's a lot of stuff that I question about the readiness of um, the people in the 2A community, the people who are for and against um, firearms, mm -hmm. and just the readiness overall. You know, so I had this discussion with my brother a couple of days ago, and it was fear and readiness. So I don't know if I really want to say fear versus readiness or just fear and readiness. But I'm thinking right now, fear is pushing people to go to readiness to a point of, okay, we have just enough to stand off or if something did happen, this is our plan right now. What, what is your take on that as well? Um, fear and readiness. Um, I, I see um, some of the anti-gun anti crowd talk about, uh, you know, mentioning just, I think just cause they don't understand, uh, to, to the 2A community asking, what are you afraid of? Why do you need, you know, more than one gun or a gun or so much ammo or whatever. And I think there's, there's just a, a misunderstanding there. It's not necessarily because we're afraid. It's just, we understand kind of, you know, the possibilities and, and, what could be out there and and fear itself is not a bad thing necessarily um you can use it to your advantage but just because someone might be afraid or someone's not doesn't mean that you shouldn't be prepared to protect yourself or your family especially with the you know the way things are going now right and, and i agree <clears throat> with that whereas fear can um can help you out because it's goes along with sadness and happiness, you know, so you don't really appreciate um, happiness unless you have something that's hurtful or sadness. And we can't have happy times unless we have a trying time. So you have to have something to reflect on to respect, to understand. So that, I think that's where the two way community understands the importance of, you know, maintaining a firearm because of acts of history 
Whereas people who are against it, they're not looking at like history can possibly repeat itself. They're looking at it as, well, look, that happened back how many years ago? We don't have to worry about that. But let's worry about the psychopaths that have it and shooting up innocent people in schools. But they're not looking at it as a collective whole as, well, yeah. you know what I'm saying? It's just the right now moment. That's what I feel a lot of people are looking at. Well, and it's sad that it that it's come to this to to bring some of those people into, you know, reconsider, um, you know, self protection and, and and owning firearms. And again, it's not because we're scared. Uh, those same people probably lock their front doors when they go to bed at night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is that is that's not a bad thing. That doesn't necessarily mean they're scared because they lock their doors. It's just. You know, they're preparing um, the best they they can to protect themselves while they're you know their families at home and in, in bed or whatever. But it's just a, I don't know. People have different opinions about it, but yeah. fear can fear can be used in in a good way. And um, being prepared and being scared are not necessarily the same thing. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I like being prepared and if you're not afraid uh when someone's shooting back at you then you know you know I, I don't know yeah something wrong with you there. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a whole different level right there <laughs> um and if anybody ever says that and somebody was shooting at them they wasn't scared you know there's a difference between acknowledging it and reacting to it but that fear is what's going to cause that reaction to kick into overdrive or get you to doing something, whereas your training will kick in. You know, so I, I do believe that. I do believe that one. Yeah, I live that one firsthand. <laughs> That's um, not something you get used to, unless uh, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I, I don't. I'm not calling for it either. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so now, um, we was talking about fear and readiness now do you think that has anything to do with the shortage of ammo right now um probably yeah um because you know the price of ammo is pretty much going up at least two thousand percent now i might be over exaggerating that a little bit but if you really think about it am i uh i haven't looked recently um I did see it actually go up a thousand percent, but that was a couple weeks ago when I was looking at that. It may be more than that now. Um, I I guess it's like the, the perceived toilet paper shortage. People are scared and panic buying uh, toilet paper. And I guess there's a lot of people that are scared and panic buying ammo. Um, I think you should, you should have sufficient ammo, um available at all times i don't so the ammo shortage hasn't really affected me because i'm prepared correct and Um, i'm in that same boat you know um because i've always told people you don't have to go out and buy it bulk at a time so like when you go purchase ammo buy whatever you're going to shoot for a competition or just go to the range and play around with but take a little bit and put it to the side you know, and you keep doing that every so often. And next thing you know, you have a stockade of oh, yeah. what you're going to need. So save a little bit of time to get the large consumption of what you have. You know, 
but at the same time, understand the difference between um, the training rounds and defense rounds, as we talked about a few weeks ago. Yeah, there's um, what I used to do when I was shooting a lot of factory ammo. I, I load most of my own ammo now. Um, but when I was shooting factory ammo, I would go every time I got paid, my, I would I would swing by um, the local sporting goods store and I'd buy one box of ammo. It's 50 rounds and, you know, depending on what it is, it was at the time it was, I don't know, 13, 15 bucks, whatever, just for training ammo. But I would do it, every, you know, every paycheck and then I'd mount, you know, I'm only, I'm spending less than $20 per paycheck just to um, get a little bit of ammo here and there. And then it would, you know, like you said, it would, uh, you'd acquire a good bit of it just to have it, have it on hand for stuff like this when, when ammo shortages show up. Right. So now um, the reason why, and I don't want nobody to think, oh, ammo prices are going up. This is so wrong. And, you know, people just feed off of that. So, I mean, really think about the breakdown of why ammo prices are shooting up right now. And, you know, I took some notes and what I came up with after doing a little bit of research and just listening to a lot of market stuff go across the board. For one, price is going to go up because of supply and demand. And think about it from this standpoint. Some companies shut down. So you got companies like Fiocchi and Magtech that shut down. But you have companies like Winchester that has the government contract with DHS, you know, the Department of Homeland Security. So <laughs> yeah. think about that now, you know what I'm saying? And understand why this is all taking place. Okay. So federal is raising their prices. The ammo company federal is raising their prices. And it's only because they're on a, a national back order through November, you know, and it's, they, they raise the price to their distributors also, you know, so they're contracted um, to make so much ammo, but then they're raising a the price to their distributors also because of you can't find primers anywhere right now. So if you didn't have primers already on hand, you're stuck until that next push of primers come out. But when is that going to take place? When is that going to happen? You yeah, know? just the, the materials. um are hard to come by for the for the ammo manufacturers yep <clears throat> so federal you know they went from one eight hour shift of production to now doing three eight hour shifts of production in a 24 hour period so how many people did they have to bring in train and then the people they already had working now they're getting overtime you know for you know, this supply and demand for this ammo that they're contracted to put out, you know, so the cost of those supplies are going to go up because it's not in demand, <laughs> you know, so um, now you got to understand by being under contract, if they exceeded that contract, now they have to renegotiate that terms because even if you're looking at it from a money standpoint, oh, you're making more, but let's look at it from the operator standpoint, your equipment, 
mm-hmm. you know, it's going to falter more because it's being used at a higher rate and more. Um, the people you got to pay because of the overtime and everything else is going to go up from there. So your electricity, your water, you know, <laughs> everything. Sure. Yeah. I, I work in the manufacturing industry and, um, you know, a big facility just to supply it with power a day is it's almost like a thousand dollars a day just in, in electricity, mm-hmm. just to have the facility up and running. Yeah, I don't know how big of a facility they have, but it's substantial uh, cost to, to have it up and running. Yeah. So even put it in perspective for those of us who reload, um, I was the last time I actually did this, when I first got my press, I think I did something like 300 rounds in 50 minutes or something like that. And that's just me just sitting there pulling the arm. It rotates around, put a bullet on it. And if the powder ran out, put some more powder in it. Primers ran out, put some more primers in it. The process just keeps repeating itself. So if I did that 300 rounds in 50 minutes on the press that I have in my house, Imagine this company and their production, and they still got to go through um, their quality control test to make sure they're still putting out sufficient, you know, product. Mm-hmm. So, and that's a larger scale. So, think about how many people, and which I don't know how many people actually work on this line or in this block to make X amount of ammo, but then they they tripled it to meet what they need to meet to get it out to the people or the contracted companies to the distributors and everything, you know? So it's just something to think about. And, you know, I know people are like, Oh, you know, certain people are gouging prices. There's a difference between gouging prices and supply and demand, you know? So what some people were doing when this pandemic started, some people just automatically started shooting up their prices. You know, that's wrong. But right now, once you see the, the wheel starts turning and everything is in production, now the supply and demand is what's driving the prices up. You know, but greed is greed. Supply and demand is just. Greed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, I did come across some defensive ammo um, that, that I purchased in stock and it was not at an outrageous price from, uh, preppergunshop.com. Okay. Never heard of them before. Um, they don't have a huge selection of ammo, but they have some in stock right now. And I actually, I bought some PMC bronze. It's not the greatest ammo in the world, but it's a, it's a hollow point. It's a jacketed hollow point. It's not bonded. They do have some federal, uh, bonded plus P um, hollow points. Um, I kind of just wanted these to stick in my magazine below my, my, um, Hornady critical defense ammo. Mm-hmm. Still a defensive round being a jacketed hollow point. It'll still do the job, but it's a little, just a little less expensive for $21 a box for 50 rounds. And generally your, uh, defensive ammo is going to, going to run a little higher just because of a little more technology involved in, in making the bullets and whatnot. But, they have other stuff. They have some round nose stuff there. There's a, what they're calling a 300 round battle pack for $90. Um, they have other stuff on there. There's some, if you want to check it out, they're not gouging prices. It may be a little higher than normal, like you were talking about, but there's still some available if people need some defensive ammo. 
And what was that site again? Preppergunshop.com. Yeah, so I would say check check them out and see how that works out for you if you're still looking to get some ammo. Um, but there's, I'm pretty sure there's probably one or two other places that people came across because I was seeing something like on the news feeds and somebody did a YouTube video that they actually found um, some ammo someplace also. But I, I didn't look at it. I just saw the title and the little caption of the video, the beginning of it, you know. Um, have you been out in public a lot since all this started? Well, I, you know, actually a lot has not changed for me other than my work schedule. I still, I have, I'm going to work every day, but I'm, I'm going to work on a later shift than I normally do. Mm -hmm. And I'm not much of a, uh, people person anyway, so <laughs> I don't go to many stores in general I'm, I'm i order groceries and i can't stand going into a packed grocery store i did go out to home depot for the first time um seems like everyone else is going but, but um out the parking lot there was absolutely full um and that you know that's a little concerning but i wore some gloves <laughs> rubber gloves when i went in there to touch the carts and got my things and they um they are actually the parking lot's full but they say that they're limiting the amount of customers that they're allowing in they make you go through the front entrance and someone's sitting there and i guess they're tallying how many people are coming through the door yeah so the governor of south carolina what <laughs> governor mcmaster actually did he put it out that for it was so many people within a regulated space so for every square foot, it can only be so many people, depending on the size of your business. And that's why they're doing that, you know, uh, which makes sense because once again, if we don't really know what we're tackling, okay, let's take all the precautions that we can, you know? Yeah. And I'm pretty sure everybody is doing the six foot distance when they're standing in line because they got little X's on the floor and everything. Some of the things I've seen that um, you should not do is put a plastic bag over your head. Oh man! Um, and think that's going to help you out at all. <laughs> I see some pictures of some craziness going on. <laughs> oh my goodness! So, remember I told you that I was painting my house. So the last time I went to Lowe's to get some supplies and everything else that I needed to finish painting um, the kitchen. I went to Lowe's two days back to back. So it was like um, Thursday and a Friday. Or it might have been Friday and Saturday. You know, once again, my, all my days run together. So here I am. The first time I go in, because I haven't went out with gloves on or a mask on or anything. So let's just happen to say Friday, I go to Lowe's. I see some people with masks on, some people with gloves on. And Saturday when I went, it was majority of the people with masks on, but the people who had masks on didn't necessarily have gloves on. And I'm like, what is this really real? What in the world? Uh, went to the grocery store to get a few little supplies. And I literally thought I was back over in Iraq 
what people wrapping up their head and face and everything <laughs> so i'm like oh lord have mercy this is you know can cause panic amongst people it can i yeah. wish people would look into what they're doing a little more because wrapping your face with a piece of cloth is not going to do anything at all except just make you look funny <laughs> that's true too um yeah. you have to have the proper uh you know mask face protection for it to to even make a difference i, I don't know now I do believe that um people are going to get ingenious with some stuff. And I was saying this the other day when uh me and coach B were talking about some things. And as I express, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody goes door to door, "Hey, we got these face masks that we're handing out so everybody can go out in public, be safe. Try it on and see if it works." And then all of a sudden you try to mask on what six, seven hours later, you wake up, your house is empty. Mm. You know, <laughs> I was, I wouldn't be surprised if something like that happened and not even an hour and a half. I seen that on Facebook. Really? Somebody had put something up like that. And coach B even expressed that she saw it someplace on the internet as well. And I was just like, you know, all you gotta do is get, you know, use your imagination and stuff yeah. like this, you know, it can happen. So if that does happen, please be careful. Call somebody in your area and ask, are these people legit? You know, yeah. but at the same time, just don't be taking face masks because somebody gives it to you. If it's not from a reputable source, I wouldn't recommend using it. No, they, I actually heard the, before, before the, the, virus stuff started um there were people doing something similar pretending to be uh, census workers mm -hmm. since our census was starting they were going around checking out houses looking into houses doing the same thing coming back later yep um i, I always said that when halloween came around i was like that's the point when people start casing neighborhoods oh it's really easy to do yeah mm-hmm because you're already blended in with everybody walking around, trick-or-treating and everything. I don't answer the door. Nobody comes to, <laughs> Nobody comes well, into my house. I don't open the door. Normally what I do is on Halloween, I'll sit in my driveway. So I'll sit on the back of my vehicle with the candy right there. And either I have the bucket laid out or i do it but normally i tell the kids just grab in and you know grab what you want out of the bucket and i just sit there and i'm observing the people not so much the kids it's mainly the parents or the mm -hmm. adult that's with the child that's what mainly what i'm looking at because i said it to somebody one time before why are you taking an interest in what's going on in my neighbor's yard Right. So now you can't sit there and say the landscape caught your attention because they didn't have anything special going on. You know, so that was like a red flag for me. You yeah, know? you can you can notice those guys. Yeah. Those people, though, not necessarily excluding women. Mm -hmm. um, we, we had uh, some issues in our neighborhood with the uh, they called it the sheriff's department finally got a hold of them. But they called it an organized crime ring. And what they were doing is is. Um, you know, scanning neighborhoods uh, for, for stuff like that, um, burglary, theft, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. There were some women involved in it. I guess, um, you know, kind of they don't 
typically get as much attention as, as males might. Right. But it's possible. Yeah, that it is. That it is. So regardless of what's going on, people, keep your head on the swivel. Um, ask questions. You know, pick your phone up, call somebody, um, reputable sources, you know, your community, because somebody's gonna know somebody who knows somebody. And, you know, keep that line of communication open and deter the negative that you see. So if you happen to see it, speak on it, even if you question it. You know, nobody's going to criticize you for questioning something that doesn't stand out right to you. But just don't be foolish with it. You know, don't be calling the cops because somebody's grilling out in their driveway or something like that. You know. Yeah, we just uh, we're kind of all in this together now. We need to help each other as much as we can. Watch each other's back. Yep, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Um, since we still have no matches going on, everything has got pushed to the right. So mm-hmm. The shooting world has slowed down, but my dry fire practice has slowed down also because, like everybody else, I'm doing my honey to-do list and getting my house together. So I'm about to pick up my dry fire again and go back to my two to three day sessions a day. Yeah, it feels it feels good just to just to get your hands on the gun and try it. I've been working on some stuff too uh, with that new gun. I've really had to try to get used to the new trigger. I've, I've just been working on trigger prep, you know, transitions between targets and prepping the trigger, not actually, you know, breaking the trigger, but just getting to that point on the wall of mm. the trigger right before it breaks. And I, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm getting used to it now. I need to go, Prove it out in live fire, but I'm feeling a lot better with it. Okay. Well, like I said beforehand, once competition come back, the healthy smack talking amongst competitors are always going to go, you know, like it always do. But I'm going to keep it generated that I am still currently winning this <laughs> this competition between Lucky and myself. You know, I am still one and he is still zero until we get back into it. But I'm not going to let him live that down. SC coordinator needs to pick up his game. <laughs> That's what it is. That's what it is. Um, so once again, um, I want to go ahead and remind everybody to please go to Instagram and follow the CRS. I messed that up. CSRA shooters. There you go. Instagram page. Yeah. I'm getting some more stuff on there now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, I need to sit down and talk with you about how to share stuff and um, yeah, bring you on to that Instagram life. Uh, I'm having trouble with it. I didn't share your video or your post right the other day. But. Oh, it's all good. Um, it was in the story. So some somebody's seen it. You know what I'm saying? So, but we'll, we'll talk offline about that. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, you have anything else you'd like to share with the people? Uh, no, we covered it. Um you know, the being afraid and being prepared are, are different things. Um, and, and, and neither of them are necessarily a bad thing. Um, definitely be prepared with, uh, what's going on right now. Um, take care of yourself and your family. Yeah. And please make sure you drink water, stay hydrated, <laughs> please stay <laughs> hydrated. Um, and if you're in the house, a lot of times when there's nothing to do, a lot of people want to eat more. So try not to eat too much sugar, eat more healthier stuff. 
my thing is, is when I feel a sweet tooth coming on, I try to eat more fruit, you know, but I still attack the sugar though, you know, but, but in all in all, like I said, please go to Instagram and follow CSRA shooters, follow munitions, weapons, tactical, and go to the Facebook page, go to the website and stay abreast of what we're doing. Remember that we have some of those free tip videos on the website. And if you go to Instagram, it's also a link in the bio, or you can just go to YouTube and go to the M-W Tactical YouTube page and look at the tips section that we have on there as well. So once again, um, Dave, I'm going to go ahead and put my rig on. I'm going to go ahead and start dry firing right now. Ain't no <laughs> nice. like the moment. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. So but now I'm going to go ahead and um, let the sponsors say what they're going to say and stay tuned to the M-W Tactical Podcast. Hey, this is Brian Conley at Hunter's HD Gold. If you've never tried Hunter's HD Gold, then I challenge you to find me at a match next year. Go to the website under scheduled events, find out where I'm going to be. Come meet me in person and demo a pair for yourself. Find out why shooters across the United States are changing the Hunter's HD Gold to get 43% more light to their eyes, better contrast, eyes that are not fatigued at the end of the day based on the, the colors that we use, and find out the real meaning of why they change so you don't have to. So check us out on our website, huntershdgold.com, and I look forward to seeing you at the range soon. What's up, good people? Thank you for taking the time and listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. Please, go visit the M-W Tactical store at www.m-wtactical.com forward slash store and help support our efforts by purchasing a shirt or two. If you haven't done so, go follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for M-W Tactical. The gun cleaners. Our solvent is, I think, second to none. Our lube is second to none. Their lube's heavier than water, which is just a huge thing. People don't really put a lot of thought into that, just how huge that is to have on your gun, especially with concealed carry. The gun cleaners. Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, you're going to sweat a lot of the other lubes off. With ours, it'll stay there. The gun cleaners. And maintaining the quality of the process, the quality of the end result is another, and you guys are able to do both with the process that you have there. Order your supply of the lube and the solvent at www.theguncleaners.com. Now we're going to go ahead and jump into a little bit of word on the 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 Since we are still under the advisory to be safe due to COVID-19, all events have been canceled and pushed to the right. Tentatively, as we push the Steve Anderson class to May 7th and 8th, you will still get the coaching from Steve at the USPSA match on the 9th, with the mental management class given to the students who participated in the class for free. If you are interested in the mental management class offered by Steve Anderson, the class will cost $200 for anyone who wishes to attend. Email me at info at m-wtactical.com for more information. As we stated earlier, all events have been pushed to the right from the current situation the nation is dealing with. 
For those who have signed up for a level two or higher match, please get with your match director to find out any reasonable solutions that can be worked out to fit your arrangements. Battle at the Beach taking place in Tabor City, North Carolina has been rescheduled as of now for May 28th through the 30th. Please contact the match director, Mike Fritz, at lowcountryuspsa at gmail.com. For those of us who like to shoot our regularly scheduled local matches, check with your hosting club and see what the board has put out about holding a match. Some clubs are planning to host a match at their regularly scheduled time and react a week out to notify if the match is going to happen or not. Please be safe out there. The Gun Cleaners. Our solvent is, I think, second to none. Our lube is second to none. Their lube's heavier than water, which is just a huge thing. People don't really put a lot of thought into that, just how huge that is to have on your gun, especially with concealed carry. The Gun Cleaners. Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, you're going to sweat a lot of the other lubes off. With ours, it'll stay there. The Gun Cleaners. And maintaining the quality of the process, the quality of the end result, is another, and you guys are able to do both with the process that you have there. Order your supply of the lube and the solvent at www.theguncleaners.com. What's up, good people? Thank you for taking the time and listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. Please, go visit the M-W Tactical store at www dot m dash w tactical dot com forward slash store and help support our efforts by purchasing a shirt or two if you haven't done so go follow us on instagram and facebook by searching for m dash w tactical hey this is brian conley at hunters hd gold if you've never tried hunters hd gold then i challenge you to find me at a match next year go to the website under scheduled events find out where i'm going to be come meet me in person and demo a pair for yourself find out why shooters across the united states are changing to hunters hd gold to get 43 percent more light to their eyes better contrast eyes that are not fatigued at the end of the day based on the, the colors that we use and find out the real meaning of why they change so you don't have to so Check us out on our website, huntershdgold.com, and I look forward to seeing you at the range soon. The Gun Cleaners. Our solvent is, I think, second to none. Our lube is second to none. Their lube's heavier than water, which is just a huge thing. People don't really put a lot of thought into that, just how huge that is to have on your gun, especially if you can still carry. The Gun Cleaners. Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, you're going to sweat a lot of the other lubes off. With ours, it'll stay there. The Gun Cleaners. And maintaining the quality of the process, the quality of the end result, is another. And you guys are able to do both with the process that you have there. Order your supply of the lube and the solvent at www.theguncleaners.com. This week, we're going to have a discussion with Nancy and Travis. It always captured my attention to how others think about how they approach their game when it comes to shooting. We have a discussion on how they approach the sport and what they took away from the Tim Heron class a few weeks ago. Check out this interview with Nancy and Travis. All right, good people. 
we're back at it again. Another session of the M-W Tactical Podcast. And this time we have some past guests that came back again. And this time all three of us were at the Tim Heron class not too long ago. So I want to welcome back Nancy Grunit and Travis Crane to the M-W Tactical Podcast. How's it going today for y'all two? It's good to be here. Yep. There we go. Living out the virus, my friend. Hey, that's it. <laughs> as long as I'm shooting guns and talking guns, I am. There you go. Yeah, I'm very happy when that takes place. All right. So I want to go ahead and start the conversation off with um, all three of us went to the Tim Heron class. Well, let's say 3.5 because Stephanie is not here at the moment, but. I'm crossing my fingers that she does come in, but she's with us in spirit because she left you notes there, Travis. Yes, she did. Yes, she did. Yeah. So we're going to get everybody's input in one way or another. (laughs) (laughs) So um, the class was hosted by Travis and Nancy was like the assistant who helped facilitate the wording in the area. This is what's going on. And then Somehow or another, I just ended up with a spot in the class. So we all endured a learning experience that was a plus for everybody. So I was very appreciative of that. And thank you for bringing him to the area and expanding my knowledge base on what I can do to make myself better as a competition shooter. I was tickled Um, that you were able to come. That was was awesome. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It was great to have you there, and and uh, Nancy, and especially Kate Bailey. Kate wasn't mentioned, you know, so much in in the original setup of the class, but everything Nancy and Kate did. I mean, really, I was I was just a bumbling idiot. I mean, they just kind of you know, <laughs> got me in the right direction, and we got it here, we got it done, we had a great class. So they, that was it. That was it. So um, let's go ahead and start it off with um, what did you get out of the class? Um, starting with you, Nancy. Oh, wow. Um, I got a ton of uh, just individual personalized one-on-one time with with Tim. And I I had a few key takeaways for me. One of my key takeaways was um, just how weak my support hand grip is. And I, and I, this past year have been focusing on you know, keeping it strong and, and trying to strengthen it and keeping it consistent. But then we did some drills that really show, showed me, like we did some at top speed dot torture drills. Uh, and I could see, you know, what, at what point my support hand grip was, was losing it. And I could see at times I wasn't consistent in holding it. And um, also just how powerful transitions are. Uh, and, and, and I've been actually working on those, um, I don't have rhythm, <laughs> so I'm a little challenged with rhythm. So um, uh, shooting those has has actually uh, really improved my my last classifier I took. Uh, I had my very first B classifier because I had been practicing the transitions, and uh, I, I was doing a little dance like woohoo! It's my first B classifier. So. I could go on. I mean, it was just yeah. a fabulous class and really the, the personalized attention and the feedback that was meant just, you know, for me at my level, what I needed was just gold. I, I totally agree with you on that one, that um, the one-on-one attention that he gave to everybody in the class, I think that was the solid gold ticket that made it, you know, the it factor for everybody. Mm-hmm. And 
the last time I spoke to Tim before this recording, I did tell him that you did get a B rating on the classified. <laughs> yes, I told him that. And he was like, it was no doubt in my mind that that was going to happen. And I, got, and I was like, oh, that's awesome. That is so awesome right there. You know, so, um, but like I said, overall, we, we're going to talk about the match here in a little bit, but I want to um, stay on the course of the training first. Okay. So um, now, Travis, what's one thing that you took away that was probably the most important factor for you? <clears throat> one thing. I don't think I'm going to have one. Um, one, one, yeah, okay. One, one would be still movement. That, that I knew that coming into the class. Um, what I use and what I plan to use, and it worked last year, it worked this year, what I use Tim for, and especially the way he does his class and how individualized everything is for each person, is Tim is my going to be my yearly reset, right? We get, I can get into a thousand things during the year that uh, I may or may not accomplish, or I may get stuck in, you know, hey, I just want to do transitions until my, my finger bleeds or, you know, whatever I want to do there. But, you know, letting Tim look at the whole shooting game, let him look at me running a stage, let him look at me run drills. And go, hey, you know what? Your entry and exit needs to, you know, you need to get that straightened out. Um, you know, you can still, you get a little sloppy, you get a little lackadaisical, you know, uh, on some things. There's some skills you're really good at, and you don't ever push yourself in them. You just kind of ride them along, and you can you can make a little bit more improvement there. Um, stuff like that, and that, that's what I use him for. It, it basically just resets where I'm going to go for the year. Um, you know, let's let's redesign my drills for the year. Let's look at this. Let's look at that. And just kind of, you know, like I said, just like a hard reset for how I'm going to train for the next year. Yeah, like I said, that's a, that's a good way to look at it. And um, I think that's something positive because when you actually do that, how how much of an increase do you see so far um, using that as a resource? Because you took his class. Well, both of you two took his class last year. I took his class last year and I just made a... And when we take, we took it in like February or March, right? Mm -hmm. And I made M in, I want to think July. So right. it, it really, it really ramps up, you know, Hey, you know, this is what I need to be working on. Gives me a little bit more goal, a little bit more direction because obviously we can all shoot. We can all, you know, Hey, I want to go out to the, the, and work on the uh, grip. I want to go work on transitions. I want to go work on this or that. Um, but we don't know where our deficiencies lie. We have an idea, but until someone actually sits down with us and goes, this is where, you know, this is your sock right here. This is what needs to be fixed. You know, that's that's when it, you know, kind of, you know, it focuses you in on what needs to be done for the next year. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so I, I never seen an immediate ramp up. And I'll explain. I wanted to talk about this with you guys because I'll come out of the class like, I mean, full of piss and vinegar and then just like blow through everything he taught me. <laughs> you know, like, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to do any of these things because I know them. And then, you know, then it turns into just this, this dumpster fire that happens. And then um, and then you then you bring it back in. You're like, oh, OK, maybe I should apply some things that I learned. And uh, yeah, well, we'll go, or at least, you know, go back to what I was doing, because good God, I wasn't this rough. Before. You know, so I, I think that happens with anything. You know, once you learn a skill, you know, you think you can. You, you start shooting outside of your, your, your actual ability. You know, you think that you right. have somehow moved into the, you know, the upper atmosphere and really you're still right where you were. You just, now you have more skills to build upon and, and, and things to train. So you were describing my stage one of last weekend's match. 
I didn't mean to point any fingers, but I was definitely pointing them there, Nancy. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, I can actually say my stage one from <laughs> last week was along that same line. But I can back it up and say, starting off from the training aspect of it, it did open my eyes more to um, application of, I won't say techniques, but application of subject matters. You know, so like you said, Nancy, with the grip mm -hmm. and because of my of me being athletic, um, I will focus more on me being athletic versus as application to what I need to do with the gun. Yes, I'm lining up the gun. I'm pulling the trigger, but I'm not necessarily holding the grip where it needed to be. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not reading the sights as effective as I should, you know, Um not getting low enough, you know, um, not exploding hard enough. You know what I'm saying? I, I learned a lot about myself that weekend, whereas I possibly could have wrote a book and we could have sold it on Amazon and made some money off of it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to sum up in one succinct, you know, overview what I learned. I mean, because there is countless things. Yeah. Do you think we learn diagnostics? Uh, Tim always pushes oh, that, gosh, that, that yeah. we can now do better diagnosing ourselves. Not only diagnosing my own self, but now like um, also diagnosing a stage better um, in my plan for that stage or a little uh, an individual array within a stage. Uh, I mean, his, he was just hitting the whole diagnosing thing out of the ballpark. Um, so now let's let's go ahead and talk about the match we had last week and how you applied whatever to it. Um, I believe my first stage was a disaster. Yeah, exactly. And the only reason I, I say my first stage was a disaster is mainly because I didn't come out the gate aggressive. It was more like when the timer went off, I'm more like, okay, I got my grip. I'm reading my sights. I'm pulling the trigger. One, two, one, two, one, two, transition. One, two, one, two, hit the steel. One, two, oh, I missed the steel. Line it back up, hit it. I did it in 23 seconds and I was the first one now. <laughs> and then after that, everybody else is doing 16, 17. I was like, oh my goodness, man, I got to put my game face on here. Like what's really going on? And the rest of the day um, after stage one, I was there. But I believe if I would have been in that 16, 17, 18 second range on the first stage, I honestly believe I would have probably came in fourth place because I came in seventh place and limited. Mm. You know. Did did you feel like you made? Well, I mean, you were off in off in time, but your hits were okay, correct? Yes, my hits were okay. Okay, um, that match I had um, one no shoot, but I really wasn't clear on the no shoot because um, I didn't see it. It was already pasted by the time I tried to look at it, and I want to say it was three mics. You know, so okay, I was cool with that. Um, one of them. I actually took three shots at the target and I thought it was a mic after I was sitting there looking, but my shot groups were so close. It was actually, um, alpha Charlie. So, um, I was, I was cool with that, you know, cause like I said, after the class, now that's my baseline and I know what I should do to build on, you know what I'm saying? From the class going into a match. So that's how I applied it. So <laughs> what was another aspect of the match? that you realize outside of the classifier that you was like, okay, I need to 
apply what I learned. You go, Travis. Um, at the match, what did I apply? Um, there was in it would have been stage one, um, the big open bay they used down there on the end. Correct. With limited round count, um, it, in other words, revolver and single stack. When you stepped into that first position, it's hard for people. I know that this is a radio show. It's hard to understand. You had to take the three targets to the left. Those were out probably, what, 15 yards with that mm-hmm. no shoot in there. And then you would move on down the line and then engage in the back. Well, for us, what ended up happening was from that back spot, we had an open target in the back. And to eliminate a reload, what ended up happening is we would have to take those three against that wall and then take one off of the array. So what I ended up having to do was basically take those three and then engage. Uh, that had to be, I want to think that had to be uh, oh, probably just over 25 yards to that target. So I actually got to play with that rear sight trick on that shot because I came off those three and then, you know, had to engage that one way out there. And I used that rear sight. I didn't, I didn't, it didn't change the way I shot, but what it did change was how quickly I could, basically acquire what I was going to use to take that shot because mm-hmm. at that distance, you got to be kind of on your game, you know, especially on the clock under, under stress. So I used the rear sights basically to cut this target. There it is. There's my front sight, two shots, get a good, good grip and roll on. And it worked out for me. It was, it was nice to be able to do that without thought. Um, I shoot a lot of long distance. It doesn't bother me, but using that rear sight to kind of trim my times, because I found that if I'm watching my front sight, I'm doing, the tricks that I did, you know, in the way of my front sight watching, what would end up happening is I couldn't, it would take me a minute to line everything up to get a shot like that. Whereas by using that rear sight, if I could snap over there, get the rear sight, cut the sight, cut the target in half. Now I got a good cut. There's my front sight. Now I can put two down there and roll on. So yeah, I think it helped out a lot on that stage right there. What about you, Ness? One of the things <clears throat> I have been struggling with this with past year was um, shooting faster. And I've always heard if you just keep at it, it'll come. If you just watch your sights, see what you can see, watch, you know, watch it, it'll come. The speed will come. Well, what Tim taught me was um, go ahead and go faster to the point where, you know, you're it's, it's really fast, you're out of control, you're missing, and keep doing it until you start seeing things. At the point where you can see things, stop and get control. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's awesome. That's like a, a solid way for me to, to go faster. Another thing I learned was about moving completely through a stage without stopping. So so stage six was the, our start stage. And there was a long runway and then a, a position at the end. And then you uh, ran to a, a third and final position. And I, it was the most beautiful and joyous dumpster fire I ever shot in my whole life. <laughs> Uh, uh, oh yeah i moved through that baby like just smooth glass and i was like fast 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 and i saw like maybe 20 percent of it but it was so fun to experience moving and moving so fast and trying to catch catch a glimpse of what i was doing along the way and i did see some of it and i didn't see a lot of it but i thought oh i want to do it again and i want to do it again i want to do it again and to, to get to that point where I can see everything and stop and get control. And I, I would have paid money to sit there and run that stage over and over and do that. So even though I bombed it, that's why I had so much fun doing it because it was my first time really just like, boom, smooth as glass. Uh, didn't stop the whole time. Uh, shot everything on the move and, you know, 
I think I, I don't even want, I don't, I don't even want to say my hit factor was on that stage. But. <laughs> Hold on, I've got it right here. I can honestly say that um, from that point in the stage of stage six, uh-huh. stage six and stage one were the two that kind of gave me the most issues for stage planning. And of course, when you got to the end of the long runaway in stage six, you could have ran it three different ways, yes. which incorporated that that was a well-designed de- stage. Mm-hmm. Same way with stage one, you could have ran that one path three different ways, but yeah. it was a matter of shooting it on the move or shooting it flat-footed and getting aggressive and hitting those points and moving in and moving out, right? So... um I cheated a little bit as I already stated. So (laughs) I went to the person who I consider my mentor and I was just asking some questions about stage prep and which would be better, you know, because thinking of it in theory, you might think one way is better, but you really don't have anything to bounce it off of because at this point, nobody had ran the stage yet. So me and Wally, we were sitting there talking on stage six. You know what I'm saying? So he kind of he kind of coached me through the um, the mental aspect of stage prep on both those stages, because that was one of my targets was let me see how far I can get today without talking to somebody each stage about what to do, because, of course, I'm trying to build that skill up a little bit more. And pretty much everything I done was identical to the heavy hitters and the squad that I was in. And one stage, the video that I put up with me and Lucky, considering that I won that competition one and oh now, (laughs) um, is that when Wally first came in, the first target, he just shot at it. And what I did was I bypassed it and I took the four targets, and this was on stage four. um, Took the four targets to the right and then after I took those targets, I turned all the way back around, shot on my left, and then started taking out all the targets to the left to come back to the array that was in the barrel on um, the left side of that barrel before okay. opening the door. So that was the only difference right there. But um, when I was analyzing the video, he got his first shot off like two seconds before I did. Okay. You know? And and like I said, that was the whole talking aspect of, okay, how can I get my time up with the masters, the A class um, shooters, and you know he was he was coaching me through it and everything, and um and like I said, um, well designed stages, it's just a matter of clearly thinking and clearly applying yourself, mm-hmm. you know. So, and I do believe that class that we did take with Tim Heron. It did put me at an advantage to whereas um, I don't think I would have done that stage as well as I did. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. Okay. I was, no, I was looking at the numbers from that, that stage right mm-hmm. there. I was just wondering. So you stepped in and, and for people to understand there were four targets in a double stack off to the right. And then there were singles down the side. So you took the double stack there to the right as your first engagement when you came in. Correct. 
Because you so remember you it was your, a, you did all that crap. Yeah, the yeah, it was an unloaded start. So as I was stepping in, after by the time I had got the um, magazine in and racked the mm -hmm. slide in, um, and aimed it, I was already on my second step. So I went ahead and took everything to the right first. Where did right? you take? Did you go into that port at the very end to get those two targets that were in the very back? Where did you take those from? Oh, it's um, kind of, I, I know this is killing radio. I am sorry, people. No, we no, just no, have, I have questions. <laughs> yeah, no, you're good. So what I ended up doing was I took those two from the corner um, close to the barrel because my original plan was to stay back a little bit. But okay. by the time I did the reload, I kept moving. And by the time I finished the reload, I was already in the port. See, I yeah. think Wally and I kind of shot the same. We, I didn't move off of the center line of that, that yes, array. Yes. Cause I took it, I took the two from the long range. Basically when I stepped in, those were my first two targets, those two in the way back, I just kind of leaned over and took those two and just basically stayed online with the door all the way down. That way I didn't go in or out of any ports. And but, that was my know. plan to do that because you could have saw all the targets, as you said, stand mm -hmm. on that middle. As you moved. Yeah. If you just yeah. stayed in the middle and didn't, didn't wander. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, when I, of course, when you think about it, that's one thing. But what happens after the timer goes off? <laughs> a whole different chapter. Um, and yeah, Wally actually <laughs> ran it like perfect in my book because we sat down, Wally and myself, and he broke it down and he used um that shot timer app. Yeah. Whereas you mm -hmm. video to it and it, it times it off. Um, he did that for me, and I noticed the splits were totally different. And like I said, his first shot was two seconds faster than mine. But then he also took those last two shots in the corner that we was talking about that I took from the port. Mm -hmm. He took from the door. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so he took him from the door. He opened yeah, the door and just, and just leaned over and took him. Yeah. Well, he did like the, the whole back array and then swept over. Okay. And yeah. It was, nice. it was nice how he did it. It was nice how he did it. Nancy, what did you think of that stage? I have your numbers. Um, I don't remember. I don't remember if that stage is off. You have my numbers. What stage is that? Four? That, was that was stage four. four. Yeah, when you were seated, holding a mug. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was actually kind of fun. I kind of mm. liked that stage. Yeah, that was a fun stage. Yeah, it wasn't bad. I don't remember. I lied. They did have a lot of options. I will say MCRC this time, although uh, you know nobody is being real friendly with the the super low caps, the single stack majors or the revolver guys there were a lot of different ways i could run it i didn't feel pushed um there were a couple times i was kind of on my reloads and stuff like that i was kind of stuck at eight eight rounds and the one stage i made a mistake on was because of that and i did bad math which is unusual for me but yeah i did i did some bad math on a miss so well uh, you know it happens sometimes it, so. i know i know we never we never heard from steph even though she's not here she gave you notes right like What's oh, about the class. Oh, God, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. What does she think? What's she got? One, she thought it was, uh, okay, yeah, let's let's go back to the Steph's notes on the class. I'll do the, the Steph clip notes. Um, she loved that there was just so much more stuff. Uh, it wasn't more stuff. It was, his class seems to be evolving. Every time we go, it seems to be, you know, there was nothing stale. It was nothing at that class that me or Stephanie were sitting there going, oh, yeah, we've heard this. Right. We, we may have heard of it, but we hadn't heard, you know, the way he applied it and the way he taught it was almost, I mean, if it, if it was different, it was different enough to catch you into a, oh, I'm going to think about this a whole different way and sit here and listen to you, you know. Um, but hers big was on PCC. 
and how Tim broke down every little thing. Because people think, oh, you're going to bring a PCC, you're going to bring a cheater stick to a pistol class or shoot a cheater stick in a, in a pistol division. Um, you know, what she felt with that was that everything he taught us broke down, he broke it down to PCC and everything applied. There were a couple of times when, you know, yeah, stronghand weekend stuff like that. But even in that, he showed her a way of stronghand weekend that didn't require her to lose her eyesight. Didn't, you know, take the, taking the eye off the dot and anything like that. It's just moving her hands around. So, I mean, it was everything with worked with PCC, which was just absolutely amazing. And his knowledge of dots, you know, and how dots work and, and what you're going to see in the way of, you know, chasing the line, don't chase the dot, you know, don't let it settle, stuff like that. She was just blown away with that. So good on you, Tim. You teaching the cheaters. Good job. Yeah. She um she actually improved a lot with that PCC. And I was actually like very happy for her, like looking at her improvements in the class and then when it clicked for her, the next time she just ran off with it. And I wanted to see her shoot the match, but by being on a different squad, I didn't like, get a chance to see it. Cause normally I would walk around and look at various people shoot, you know? So she didn't, she didn't get herself together there towards the end. She had some, uh, yeah, she just, she kind of Stephanie it. Like I'd say for the first, the first little bit. And then once, once she was on the gas, I mean, it was like, okay, all right, here we go. You know, I think it was, yeah, towards the end of the day, the stage you started on, stage five, that you were talking about, um, you you know, all of us ran it in some decent times. You you had a very slow time, like you said, um, and Stephanie went out there and ran it in 14, I want to think. Yeah, 14.9. She yeah. ran that with uh, 100% alpha. So, yeah, you know, she she crushed that stage, you know, just buried us. So it was uh, it was really neat to see. So do you think a lot of it had to do with, um, let's just say, coming out of a class, thinking too much as far as performance, or just not applying ourselves enough for the match? Um, in the way of what tripped everybody up at the match? Correct. Um, I would, say, I, I would honestly say, it, all right, a little bit of the knowledge is tripping me up. I'm thinking about everything that I know now and trying mm -hmm. to apply it all at one time, rather than it being a fluid process, you know, rather, right. you know, instead I'm going to, I'm going to stand here and think about, man, I got the best group in the world. Look at that. That's a great, group. Yeah. I'm going to watch that site go up and down. And then, you know, 40 seconds later, you're done with the stage. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit of that. And uh, it's a little bit of cockiness too. You know, we go to that class. If for anyone who's taken a class, especially especially a Tim Heron class, where you come out of there feeling like you were on top of the world. Yes, you took a butt whooping because I think all of us were napping. There was a poor right. bastard myself who had to go to work the next day, and I was just sucking out. Oh, I was, you, know. <laughs> you could have hit me with a car. It wouldn't have mattered. But, um, yeah, I was dead. But you have in the back of your mind, for anyone who's gone through a two-day class like that, you come out of there thinking you are going to, you know, you're going to break the world. You're going to you're going to restructure USPSA with all your knowledge. So you go into the match, and you, what ends up happening is you do none of the things that you've learned in there. It's like, eh, you know. <laughs> Nancy, I, I, I RO'd Nancy. And I hate to, I hate to put Nancy on the spot with this. I RO'd Nancy quite a bit during the day. And every time I was like, Nancy, are you holding on to the gun? 
<laughs> or Nancy, where was your bad shot? She's like, I don't know. You know, but oh, man, oh, wow. you know, I was just moving. She said the biggest grin on her face, just happy just to roll through that stage. And I'm like, I, I mean, I literally could see the ejection. You know, it was like, you know, the slide was facing me, like flat at me while I was timing. Like, here's me, here's the slide. I'm like, all right, I can see your front sight, your rear sight. Yeah, there it is. I can see the barrel. You know, <laughs> I mean, you're waving at people as it went down the road. <laughs> she was, she was laughing the whole time. That girl was just flipping around, doing what it wanted to do. She was just hanging on, off the ride. We, we all laughed about that, but. Uh, I think that yeah, I, um the one thing that tripped me up was I was just thinking too much on my first stage. And like I said, I wasn't aggressive enough and I was more shocked. Like, and I'm sitting there thinking like, yeah, okay. I think that was a decent run. And then everybody else doing 16, 17 seconds. I was like, I sold myself short. <laughs> so, and like I said, I attribute that to just thinking too much about the process of what I went through uh, from the class, you know, and we can all fall into that trap every now and then, especially if you're the first shooter. You know? Oh yeah, definitely. Cause I think yeah. I was, I was first shooter on my, on my stage, which is long range. And my first reload, I, uh, I botched it. So it was awesome. That was great. <laughs> first reload, the bullets jammed, you know, I was like, Oh, here we go. So I sat there and fiddled with it. And then I just decided, I was like, well, I'm not going to have time. I better have points. So I just shot all alphas. Through the stage. That was it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're not going to get significantly better after taking a class like that right away. You've got to take no, not right away. No. Yeah, you yeah. got to take all that all that stuff away and practice it and work with mm -hmm. it. Correct. Yeah. Get it for you. And um, when you try to shoot a match right afterwards, like yeah, you're thinking too hard. You're trying too hard. You're yeah. Yeah, I think um, after a class like that, you're only going to take away two percent of what you learned from the class into your first match. So for me, it was grip, you know what I'm saying? Grip and reading the sights. That was my 2% for that match. And I honestly believe that I did apply that. And the reason I say that, because everybody kept saying, oh, man, your groups are improving. People who were paying attention to me, like, oh, man, your groups are improving. Like, thank you. Thank you. You know, so. Yeah, looking at your points on the, on the match, I mean, you were right there. Right. I mean, you, you had, yeah solid point work you know and like i yeah. said if i would have exploded with aggression on the first that first stage i do believe i would have came up under um mr chris Britt there think so? <laughs> yeah i think i would have i think i would have yeah. why aren't you guys unseating wally by now for god's sake somebody beat that man <laughs> hey, that's a harder task than what you think it is <laughs> not really just hide a pudding cup down there on the stage you'll stop for it so now, um, <laughs> now what we, um, what Travis and I spoke on is a couple Sundays throughout the month, we're going to link up and we're going to do some practice and focus on a lot of the stuff that we feel we need to work on going into the next match or just overall, um, for us to be better competitors. Awesome. Um, yeah. So one thing I do really want to work on is transitions as we already talked about from the class because that was a big takeaway from the class as well but oh yeah i'm a little fearful of a lot of the matches about to be closed down you know because of the scare that we have going on right now and 
it's okay, but I don't think it's going to last as long as people think it will. I hope not. Yeah. Yes. We'll play. So we'll play it out. Um, there's a match yeah. this weekend. Sandhills. Um, Sandhills got their match. I mean, it's a Correct. classifier match, but I'm just happy to shoot something. I was working yeah. Saturday anyway, so Pine Tucky wasn't a wasn't a loss for me. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think it's going to come. I, listen, I think we're going to uh, we're going to learn how to live in a world with this virus. Is what's going to happen, much like we do influenza, much like we do, you know, other countries do it, you know, probably malaria, you know, anything like that that exists that we deal with, you know, okay. it's, it's just going to become part of our, our life. Yeah, just an adaption. That's all it's mm-hmm. going to be. We just going to yep. adapt like we do with everything else. And um, no reason to fear, no reason to panic and go out and buy up everything as everybody is. Just continue living your life as normal as possible. But at the same time, just be cautious of the health implications. So if you have a low immune system, you have to really take that cautious step. But for everybody else who is pretty healthy and work out and eat healthy or, you know, who has a regular life, just make sure you, you know, clean your hands, wash your hands, soap and water. Use um, the hand sanitizer when it applies, when you're not really near soap and water. And if you cough and sneeze, cover and use tissue, you know, just be health conscious, you know, drink plenty of fluid and, and eat, <laughs> you know, open the, open the windows in your house, let it air out. It's about to get warm. So there you go. Eat Taco Bell and stuff like that. You know, keep your body, you know, just send something in there to fight against it. You know, that's what hey, I believe. That is it. So, um, you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's see what you can do against some Taco Bell or you know, <laughs> coronavirus. Come on, buddy. <laughs> I will pass on Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. So um going around the table, how can the good people follow, hit you up, or hold a conversation with you, Travis? Oh, um, any match you want to attend that I am there, you're more than happy to stand there and watch me run my mouth because I talk quite a bit. But I can be reached on Facebook. Uh, it is T Pew Pew Crane, um, which is a name I've had for forever, thanks to Facebook. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you can hit me up there. Just yeah, just message me. We'll have a whole conversation, much like uh, me and another friend were tonight about the new production weight loss, you know, or lack thereof. So uh, yeah, yep. Good All right. Miss Nancy, um, how can the good people get in contact with you? Because you're also associated with a girl and a gun. So if they want to get in touch with you on that regards and or just finding you videos and shooting with you, how can they do so? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm on Facebook, uh, Nancy Grunet on Facebook. And also like Travis, I'm pretty much shooting any of our local area matches. Love to chat with you. And I'd love to, if you, uh, even if you're uh, some of the guy shooters, if you have a wife or girlfriend or daughter that's interested in a girl and a gun. I'd love to chat with you about that too. That's it. And for those who are interested, who doesn't listen to the podcast regularly, please go on Instagram and look up at munitions, weapons, tactical, follow me there. You can also follow me on Facebook under M W tactical. And if you just want me and the crew to come out and shoot a match with you, Email me at info at mwtactical.com and we will plan it out and make it happen because the sport is about having fun and bringing communities together. And I think we are doing a great portion of that right now. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yes. So I do want to thank you, you two, for coming back on to the M oh, yeah. Tactical podcast. And anytime, yeah, anytime you two want to come on, 
just hit me up and we will make it happen. Oh, yeah. Maybe one day someone will ask you a revolver question and we need to have a 30 minute podcast on revolver. <laughs> there seems to be some bad information out there on Facebook. I'm just saying. You know? well, I would say this. Um, hold on. Don't go nowhere. I'm going <laughs> to um, let the sponsors um, do their thing. And I do, I will talk to you about um, revolvers here in a little bit. Oh, boy. What's up, good people? Thank you for taking the time and listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. Please, go visit the M-W Tactical store at www.m-wtactical.com forward slash store and help support our efforts by purchasing a shirt or two. If you haven't done so, go follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for M-W Tactical. Hey, this is Brian Conley at Hunter's HD Gold. If you've never tried Hunter's HD Gold, then I challenge you to find me at a match next year. Go to the website under scheduled events, find out where I'm gonna be, come meet me in person and demo a pair for yourself. Find out why shooters across the United States are changing the Hunter's HD Gold to get 43% more light to their eyes, better contrast, eyes that are not fatigued at the end of the day based on the, the colors that we use, and find out the real meaning of why they change so you don't have to. So check us out on our website, huntershdgold.com, and I look forward to seeing you at the range soon. The Gun Cleaners. Our solvent is, I think, second to none. Our lube is second to none. Their lube's heavier than water, which is just a huge thing. People don't really put a lot of thought into that, just how huge that is to have on your gun, especially with concealed carry. The gun cleaners. Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, you're going to sweat a lot of the other lubes off. With ours, it'll stay there. The gun cleaners. And maintaining the quality of the process, the quality of the end result is another, and you guys are able to do both with the process that you have there. Order your supply of the lube and the solvent at www.theguncleaners.com. Thank you for taking the time to hang out with us on the M-W Tactical Podcast. Remember, a new podcast comes out every Tuesday. If you cannot wait for Tuesday, go and listen to past episodes to catch up on what you missed. Make sure you visit www.m-wtactical.com and see what all is offered on the site where you can't even purchase M-W Tactical Apparel. But please go to our Facebook and Instagram page and follow us on our journey in the sport of competition shooting and the realm of the 2A community. Until next week, keep shooting, keep practicing, and have fun.